0: The Department of Homeland Security report was sobering and couldn't have been more controversial. Its title, Right-Wing Extremism, Current Economic and Political Climate Fueling Resurgence in Radicalization and Recruitment. Written by a department counterterrorism analyst, the 2009 report warned of a number of disturbing trends, including a marked uptick in threats from white supremacists and other violent anti-government groups, feeding off the anger and resentment over the economic downturn and fears about illegal immigration. And especially troubling, the messaging from these groups seemed to be gaining traction among disgruntled military veterans, a group well-trained in the use of firearms and combat. The Homeland Security report was labeled for official use only and was not intended for public consumption. But in the spring of 2009, after its author shared it with state and local law enforcement officials, its contents were leaked and there was an uproar. Republicans in Congress expressed outrage that the department was targeting American citizens who, as then House Minority Leader John Boehner put it, disagree with the direction Washington Democrats are taking our nation. President Obama's Homeland Security Secretary, Janet Napolitano, withdrew the report and even apologized for it. But today, after a series of terrorist attacks and plots by white nationalists, including the February 15th arrest of a Coast Guard lieutenant who was stockpiling weapons and planning to start a race war, that Homeland Security report is looking more prophetic than ever. We'll talk to Darrell Johnson the author of that 2009 report, on this episode of Buried Treasure. Because people have got to know whether or not their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a
1: crook. I told the American people I did not trade arms for hostages. My heart and my best intentions still tell me that's true, but the facts and the evidence tell me it is not. I did not have sexual relations with that woman. There will be no lies. We will honor the American
0: people with the truth and nothing else. I'm Michael Isikoff, Chief Investigative Correspondent for Yahoo News. And I'm Dan Clydeman, Editor-in-Chief of Yahoo News. You know, I remember that 2009 report. It was kind of a mini-controversy at the time. It got some uh, attention and then sort of went away. But, man, over the last couple of years, Charlottesville, the Tree of Life synagogue attack, and this Coast Guard guy who was working in Coast Guard headquarters— and stockpiling weapons and ammunition while talking by self-describing himself as a white nationalist and talking about attacks on people. Uh, you know, one of the things that people found on his computer, investigators found, was he wanted to have focused violence to establish a white homeland. I am dreaming of a way to kill almost every last person on the earth. He wrote, pretty chilling stuff. Wanted to hunt down Senator Blumen Jew.
1: I yeah, mean, right. all fueled by just vicious anti-Semitism and racism and white supremacy. And this was from the U.S. attorney's uh, filing. The defendant intends to murder innocent civilians on a scale rarely seen in this country. So, yeah, chilling stuff. What I remember from that ni- 2009 report, though, was kind of how pathetic the Obama administration you know, dealt with it. The idea yeah. that Janet Napolitano was apologizing for the report. Why shouldn't that report see in the light of day? I know it was for official use only, but you know the idea that that kind of extremism that leads to violence isn't ultimately about politics, whether it's right-wing extremism or left-wing extremism, politics, when it's distorted like that, has always led to violence. And that's a reality that people have to know about. And this idea that well, you can't talk about where it comes from. You know, that's just, it's crazy. And, you know, I just have to, I can imagine at the time, young White House aides freaking out because somehow this controversy was going to affect, you know, their ability to get, Obamacare, or you know, some legislation right. passed, and they talked about practicing triage, so they had to prioritize. And if something like this happened, you just have to, you know,
0: make it go away. Well, remember, you know, the political climate at the time. Obama had just come into office. The conservative activists and the NRA were warning, "Oh my God, you know, he's got this radical gun control agenda." And Rahm Emanuel, the chief of staff at the time for Obama, didn't want any talk about gun control because he thought it would interfere with the uh, president's plans for uh, getting the Affordable Care Act passed, and so he put the kibosh. Uh, You remember, Holder, Eric Holder who was the attorney general at the time, said well we're going to do something about assault rifles and then he got shut down by the White House. Stop talking about that. Guns are not on our agenda. And all he had done was
1: repeated what Barack Obama had said during During, the campaign
0: during the campaign. Right. So then you put on top of this report from Homeland Security, which seemed to suggest that there was going to be a resurgence of uh, militias, which were, of course, very big in the 1990s. And uh, it produced an uproar with Republicans in Congress. And absolutely, the uh, Obama administration, uh, starting with Janet Napolitano, were cravenly, uh, you know, bowed and withdrew the report. and even apologized for and, and it. And the thing yeah. is, and we're going to
1: talk to Daryl Johnson, the author of this report, mm-hmm. in a minute. But, you know, this wasn't just some, like, political kerfuffle. It actually had an impact because the very, like, office in the Department of Homeland Security that, you know, was analyzing and studying these issues you know, they were kind of shut down. I mean, he lost will There was nobody doing this after this because the Obama administration and the Department of Homeland Security was so nervous
0: about it. Right. And that was 2009. Here we are in 2019, 10 years later. And, you know, we're seeing, the, you know, some really scary stuff from exactly the kind of groups and people that were being identified in that report. So let's talk to um, the author of that Homeland Security report, Daryl. Johnson, right now. Daryl Johnson, thanks for joining us.
2: Welcome, Mike.
0: So, there's so much to talk about here and the story of your report, which we've talked about before, but I just want to start out with this recent case of Christopher Hassan, the uh, Coast Guard lieutenant, working in Coast Guard headquarters and plotting acts of violence to establish a white homeland what were your thoughts when you heard about this uh, case
2: well my thoughts immediately went to his employment Uh, the u.s coast guard is actually a component of the department of homeland security where as you know i used to work for six years
0: Wow. And taking a step back, you know, you wrote the report in 2009, Right-Wing Extremism, warning uh, that we were going to be seeing a surge in activity by white supremacists, neo-Nazis and like-minded groups. Take us back to that point in time. What prompted you to write it, what you were thinking about and how it was received when you began working on it?
2: Yeah, so the whole thing started actually in 2007 when we got a phone call from the U.S. Capitol Police who had a question for us. They wanted us to monitor white supremacist websites once Barack Obama, who was a senator at the time from Illinois, announced his candidacy for the president. We got that tip, and uh, when Obama went public with his decision to run for office for the president, We monitored the white supremacy chat boards, and we didn't see any threatening activity. In fact, there wasn't even much chatter in the immediate aftermath of his announcement. So we closed that request out, but I went to my analysts and said, hey, Barack Obama is an African-American running for president. I said, what if he does win the 2008 election and becomes the president? And all of us agreed that it would be not only an unprecedented event, but it'd be a recruitment tool for hate groups, and particularly white. Premises. I mean, this was their worst nightmare come true. So That was kind of the genesis of the report. And so all through 2008, we gathered and monitored all the different public websites and gathered information on these groups uh, and started seeing a number of new groups forming, rallies being held, increased numbers coming out to the rallies. We also looked at Stormfront, which was the largest neo-Nazi white supremacy gathering place on the internet, and started seeing their users starting to increase. So there was a bunch of things that kind of fed into that report. And then when Janet Napolitano was appointed Homeland Security Secretary, she actually came to me with questions uh, asking, are we seeing a rise in these right-wing extremist groups? And if so, what's causing it and what are we going to do about
0: it? Excuse me, Now, what was your job at the time?
2: I was the senior domestic terrorism analyst uh, team lead, which was responsible for overseeing the work of five analysts. I didn't have any supervisory power, for like rating people's performances, but I provided input to their performances.
1: But Daryl, uh, just for context here, there was nothing really all that new about this right-wing white supremacist extremism. That has been a deep strain in our politics and culture for a long time that sometimes turned into violence. I mean, Mike and I, I think, both covered ruby ridge uh, oklahoma, uh, city. oklahoma city <laughs> with timothy mcveigh so you know at the time in 2007 and then when janet napolitano came in did you think that you were doing anything new and extraordinary or controversial
2: absolutely not we were just doing our jobs that's what i was hired to do homeland security came to me when i was working at atf bureau of alcohol tobacco firearms and explosives and recruited me direct hire authority to come over and stand up a team of analysts to look at these types of issues so you know the fbi had been writing on it for years this was somewhat new because homeland security was new but we had put out other reports uh that didn't generate the political controversy that this one did
0: so napolitano comes to you and asks you to take a look at this issue i gather she was somewhat concerned about it walk us through what happened after that
2: yes so uh I was actually quite excited when Janet Napolitano came to us and started asking these questions because the previous two secretaries, Michael Chertoff and Tom Ridge, they were primarily interested in preventing the next 9-11. So this was the first Homeland Security secretary that we had that actually had worked these types of issues in her home state of Arizona. Well, that's right.
1: I was going to say, I actually was on my way back from Little Rock. I can't remember what year this is. You might remember. And I was in St. Louis and I got a call from my editor who said, you need to go to Phoenix because there's a right wing militia that's attempting to blow up the federal building there. And that was, I think they were called the Vipers. And I think that was Janet Napolitano's case. And when she was U.S. attorney, so she was familiar with these kinds of groups.
2: Right. And she also supported the investigation into Timothy McVeigh because one of his associates, Michael Fortier, lived in Arizona. That's right. And McVeigh had gone there. Well, we had been working on it before Napolitano even arrived, so we had this report kind of in draft when she came to us with questions, and so uh, my supervisors are like, this report will provide the answers that she's seeking. So myself, two levels of supervisors above me, the FBI had a whole entourage of people that came over, and we presented a joint uh, desk-side briefing with Janet Napolitano talking about our report that we had ready, as well as answering her questions. So we answered the first two questions. Are we seeing a rise in these groups and uh, what's causing it? That's what the report addressed. And then the last thing, what are we going to do about it? Well, that was the FBI's job. And so they briefed basically what they were planning to do in light of the election and the economic downturn of 08.
0: And which was what? What were they? uh, What steps was the FBI prepared to take and what steps did you think the U.S. government should be taking?
2: So The FBI stood up a program called Vigilant Eagle. I could talk a little bit about this because it's actually public knowledge. But that was a program that was looking at uh, returning veterans coming back that were suffering from post-traumatic stress disorder, And who may have problems reacclimating into society, may have mental health issues that aren't being properly addressed, who may be targeted for recruitment for these groups. Not that they would just actively join these groups on their own, but that these white supremacist groups would target the military people because of their military training, their leadership skills other things. And so uh, they briefed that. They briefed that they were going to be standing up a second domestic terrorism operations unit, which was literally doubling the size of uh, their headquarters analysts that would handle the cases that the FBI would work. So that's basically what uh, their preparations were and what they were doing.
0: I should point out that, you know, you talked about uh, disgruntled military veterans. That was one of the subheads in your report uh, who were vulnerable to recruitment from these groups. We also talked about the role that illegal immigration was playing, or at least concern about illegal immigration. Just quoting from your report, the perception that illegal immigrants were taking away American jobs through their willingness to work at significantly lower wages was something that right-wing extremists were uh, making a lot Of. So you put that all together and just sort of walk us through again what happened. I believe you shared it with state and local law enforcement officials.
2: Right. So after we briefed Napolitano, and mind you, this report had gone through 23 rewrites, three different levels of editing. So, anyways, we sent it out to to state and local law enforcement as kind of a warning that the threat landscape was changing. Because remember, a lot of these state fusion centers and Joint Terrorism Task Forces. Since 9-11, we're primarily looking at ISIS, and, or actually Al-Qaeda at the time, supporters here in the United States and Muslims that are being radicalized here in the United States. And so this was kind of a warning that we were to see a shift in the threat environment to white terrorism, not just Muslim terrorists. So within three days of that report being issued, I was actually helping the boy scouts with a fundraiser and I had the radio on and I heard the like noon news cycle come up and they're talking about this controversial homeland security intelligence report that was talking about the rise of white supremacy and anti-government militias and my report was on the news I couldn't believe it.
1: And not in the and not in the way that you were hoping it would be in the news if it was in the news at all but what is it that you think kind of touched such a nerve? What had changed in our politics that that report would be received in the way it was?
2: So the Republicans were coming up a tough loss on the 2008 election. They lost the presidency, but they also lost some seats in the House and Senate. So I think they were kind of uh, susceptible to looking for something, anything that they could find, kind of use against the new administration. But the two things that I guess people latched on to that was controversial besides the military point that we brought up was the term right-wing extremism. The Republicans for whatever reason thought we were talking about conservative Republicans. Then the other thing was we had a very vague definition buried in a footnote that talked about these wide range of uh, issues and groups that these right-wing extremists use to bolster their movements. And so people took that out of context and made it like we were spying on the Tea Party and which we weren't
0: so what happened there's an uproar in Congress Uh, they start denouncing the Homeland Security for allowing this and then Janet Napolitano who you had briefed about it so presumably she knew everything about this report goes up to the hill apologizes she says the wheels came off the wagon because the vetting process was not followed the report is no longer out there and employees sent it out without authorization
2: was nothing but a cover-up. She initially defended the report, but once she saw the congressional backlash on the Republican side, and the pressure started to mount. We started getting letters from Congress. We started getting FOIA requests. We had Pat Robertson's 700 Club. He asked all of his followers to call the operations centers at Homeland Security. So they flooded the lines and literally clogged up the uh, you know, operations center with these frivolous complaints. So basically, uh, Napolitano then backtracked and there was this story that was made up that this rogue analyst had somehow bypassed procedures and-
0: And that's uh, you, the that, rogue is, analyst. Is, is that right? you? That's yeah. right. That yeah. is
2: me. Yours truly. And it was very discerning <laughs> for me and my team to see this play out on the news, knowing full well that we had followed procedures and that we had vetted the thing.
0: What happened to you and your team after this?
2: So they initially stopped all of our work canceled all the trainings that we were providing to state and local and federal law enforcement. And they told us, we're just going to lay low for a few weeks, a month or two, and then we'll reconstitute you know, your program once the firestorm has died down. But then I realized that that was, again, another cover story to basically cause us to let our guard down. And next thing you know, we're getting retaliated against by our supervisors, getting letters of reprimand, talking that we were poorly Using poor trade craft and our, you know, all this, and it was crazy because we were kind of the elite uh, group of people in that office who had received numerous letters of recommendation and accolades from state and local law enforcement that we supported. Myself, I had trained every ATF agent since 1999 at their national academy. We had another analyst that was training FBI agents in their academy on these groups. So we were doing some pretty good things.
1: Do you think that um, the pressure that was being placed on Janet Napolitano that led her to cave and go up to the Hill and apologize was solely coming from Capitol Hill and from you know some of these outside groups, or was the pressure coming from within the administration? Was she getting pressure from the White House?
2: I think it was a combination of both, but it was really the Republican pressure that Congress put on her. I think at the time... She may have had some political aspirations to do other things. I don't know. Well, there was talk um,
1: about her, I think, wanting to be attorney general.
2: Yeah. So that pretty much uh, quelled that you know, aspiration.
0: So what happened to your unit ultimately? Was it, I mean, I remember there were concerns that it might be cut back or disbanded. What happened?
2: Yeah. So after the retaliation phase during the summer of 09, the real truth came out when we did a restructuring and they totally dissolved our unit and reassigned us to work other topics like protecting critical infrastructure and Al-Qaeda threats.
0: So was there anybody at the Department of Homeland Security who took your place and was monitoring these extremist hate groups?
2: There wasn't. And one by one, of the analysts that I had hired and and including myself, by 2010, uh, most of us had left and they left one analyst who was still there that was part of the original team. So after I went public with my story, I want to say in 2011, they kind of ceremoniously had this one person that was still there. They reassigned him to the FBI to work these issues to say that they actually had somebody who was like on a liaison capacity. And then they at one point, I want to say in 2013 or so, they hired two contractors to help, and then those people left. So it's just kind of been this hazard, one person, two people, and now it's down to none.
1: But, Daryl, do you think a, an element of this whole episode and why it played out the way it did was because we as a society and in our politics were still so focused on the Muslim threat in the wake of 9-11 that... Uh, You know, you're always fighting the the last war and no one really wanted to focus on other kinds of threats, especially threats coming from, you know, white Americans.
2: Yeah. So this threat that we were talking about, these right wing extremists, they're primarily white Americans. It detracts from the message that our U.S. government wants to put forth as policy on what terrorism is. And that is somebody that lives in the Middle East, has a funny sounding name, dresses differently and talks differently. And aspires to this radical Islam. That's the only type of terrorism our government seems to recognize.
0: So, as you look at let's move up into you know the current day, as you look at the uh, events over the last few years—Charlottesville, Tree of Life, you know this Coast Guard guy, and lots of others—what um, goes through your mind? I mean, does this uh, this rise vindicates the very threat that you were warning about?
2: I don't get any satisfaction in knowing that I was right, but Year after year, after that report, you see that we were telling the truth. That I was doing my job. At the point when I wrote that report, I had had 16 years of intelligence experience looking at these types of groups. So, you know, I was just trying to do my job. And the fact that it fell on deaf ears and got distracted and minimized and deflected is sad me every time I hear on the news that there's been another attack year after year after year, more people dying.
1: And Daryl, not to end on a dark note, but to follow up on Mike's question, how grave do you think this threat is at this particular moment? It seems in in this case of the Coast Guard Lieutenant um, Hassan, I mean, if he had been able to pull off what he wanted to pull off, Huge numbers of people would have been killed, um, and we're just seeing so many of these episodes. Uh, h- how do you assess the level of the threat, and how worried should Americans be?
2: When I wrote that report in 2009, I was forecasting maybe a four- to eight-year cycle. Here we are in year 10. I never believed that this would last this long. And the fact that they continue to operate at a heightened state and that we continue to have these attacks uh, is very concerning the fact that the government really hasn't done much of anything to combat it is also disheartening. And to what extent so think, do you
1: think Donald Trump's rhetoric, the way he's responded to some of these kinds of groups and their philosophies has had an effect on all of this?
2: This is the first time under a Republican administration that we've continued to see these right-wing groups thrive. Typically during Republican administrations, we see them their you know activities decrease because they're not concerned about gun legislation being passed. They're not concerned about minority rights being expanded. So typically during these Republican administrations, we see these uh, activities of these far-right groups actually decrease. This is the first time we've seen it stay at the same level as it was under the Democrats.
0: Well, if anything, it seems to be getting worse, doesn't it?
2: In some respects, it is, because uh, the 2016 election uh, campaign was very vicious, there was a lot of mean-spirited things uh, that were said and kind of took the hostility to a new level, and I think it's given kind of the green light for these people to continue to do what they're doing. And we see hate crimes increasing. The level of bigotry in this country is uh, hasn't been this bad in decades, and I think it is. It starts at the top. It starts with the tenor, and the tone, and the messaging that comes out from these political campaigns.
0: And did I hear you correctly, that there is nobody at the Department of Homeland Security who is now monitoring these groups in the way you were back in 2009?
2: There is nobody.
0: Zero. Well, that seems uh, pretty concerning in and of itself. Daryl Johnson, thanks uh, for uh, reliving what was obviously a uh, painful experience for you, but uh, highly relevant to uh our current situation. Absolutely uh, sobering
1: stuff, but uh, let's hope that uh, we all can draw some lessons uh, from, from your experience.
2: Thank you for having me.
1: Thanks for joining us on this episode of Buried Treasure. Don't forget to subscribe to Skullduggery on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And tell us what you think. Leave a review. Be sure to follow us on social media at Skullduggery Pod. We'll talk to you on Friday.